We return. We return from fighting. We return fighting. Returning Soldiers by W.E.B. Du Bois, May of 1919. The ink had barely dried on the Treaty of Versailles when fighting erupted across the nation, with returning black veterans being the main target. Between the years of the Civil War and World War II, thousands of African Americans were targeted as victims of lynching and other forms of terror, often in a very public setting. This naturally traumatized and tortured black communities. It's important to understand that black American life is not singularly defined by violence. These stories are an important part of history and for a long time have not just gone untold, but were kept from being told. But here's to changing that. I'm your host, Michael, and this is Strange and Unexplained. With many young white men being drafted and immigration from Europe being cut off, job openings and housing opportunities began to present themselves in the industrialized Northeast and Midwest to black citizens who had not been afforded the opportunity before. Between 1910 and 1920, an estimated one million black Americans fled the dangerous environment of the Jim Crow abiding South and were heading North in hopes of finding something better. This was known as the Great Migration. In Chicago, the black population increased by 148%, and in Philadelphia, it rose by 500%. But with the war ending and many of the white soldiers returning home to find their jobs and neighborhoods, quote, taken over by black occupants, the KKK veered its ugly head once again. Between May and December of 1919, approximately 25 race riots broke out on American soil. Black soldiers who had fought side by side with these men in Europe felt that they had earned their stripes and expected the same respect when they returned home, but were met with hatred. Black veterans became the target of the white mobs and police who supported white supremacy and white economic power, and they posed the greatest threat. A threat to Jim Crow and the racial order that was already in place. A Texas federal agent reported that, quote, one of the principal elements causing concern is the returned Negro soldier who is not readily fitting back into his prior status of pre-time war." End quote. These men fought, bled, and died for the same country. But upon their return, the enemy lines that they had once fought behind now shifted between them. The first of these riots occurred in April and claimed the lives of six Jenkins County residents in Georgia. Carswell Grove Baptist Church was having an anniversary and celebration that drew over 3,000 black people from the surrounding area. The large celebration drew the attention of local sheriff's deputy Clifford Brown and another officer from Millen, Georgia, who was actually out of his jurisdiction. The two men stopped and searched a black man that they suspected of having alcohol. The state had been dry since 1907. And when they found none, they arrested him anyway. Another black man, Joe Ruffin, who was known in the community as being wealthy and well-known amongst his peers, witnessed the event and tried to pay the man's bail to have him freed. But the officers demanded cash, and being that it was Sunday, the banks were closed. Ruffin attempted to pull the man out of the squad car, but was attacked with the out-of-county officer drawing his gun and pistol-whipping Ruffin with it. In the scuffle, the gun went off, wounding Ruffin in the head, 
but somehow it wasn't fatal. Ruffin's son, who was in the car with him, had just returned from his service himself. He thought his father had just been murdered, and so he returned fire, killing one of the officers, and the other was killed in the ensuing chaos. News of the dead white officer spread, and soon a mob had formed and headed for the Ruffin home. They lynched two of Ruffin's sons and burned them. They then continued their tyranny throughout the county, burning down churches and black-run Masonic lodges in retaliation with no police intervention. Then what bordered on a race war broke out in Washington, D.C., claiming black lives and destroying black homes. The riot in the Capitol lasted for four days and led to the death and injury of over 150 black residents. This event was brought on by, what else? The media, of course. Just days before, a black man had been released from police custody after being questioned about a sexual assault against a white woman. The man was taken in and questioned, but never charged. The victim was the wife of a white Navy soldier. And in the local white-only bars and pool halls, they began to buzz with rumors and hatred that spread like wildfire. And on Saturday, July 19th, a mob formed and headed to the predominantly black neighborhood, carrying clubs, metal pipes, and lumber as weapons. The men attacked any black person that they came in contact with. 22-year-old Randall Neal, an American veteran who had just returned home from the war, was the first fatality of the night. Other people were yanked out of their cars, dragged out of their homes, and were beaten in the streets and left for dead. Men and women and children were attacked by the group. Some of the attackers still wore their military uniforms. They burned homes to the ground. Businesses were smashed and ransacked. All the while, police looked the other way. At the time, the Washington, D.C. Metropolitan Police Department employed over 700 officers, and they had done very little to stop the massacre that was occurring. But soon the black community had had enough. The police were never coming to their aid, so they armed themselves and started fighting back. Both black and white rioters shot at each other from passing cars, and by the end of the night, 10 whites and 5 blacks were either dead or well on their way to it. The riots stretched on for another day until President Woodrow Wilson ordered over 2,000 soldiers into the city from the nearby base to suppress the riot and bring an end to the bloodshed. But a heavy rain swept in on July 23rd and ended the events anyway. By the time the clouds had cleared, over 150 men, women, and children were either beaten, clubbed, or shot by both black and white rioters. About 40 were fatal. Two Metro PD officers were fatally shot. The riots in Georgia had been quelled, but the fire it sparked had already spread to Chicago, when another city, seeing a spike in black wealth and prosperity, became the target of white hate. 17-year-old Eugene Williams launched his homemade raft off the shores of Lake Michigan and accidentally drifted into the whites-only section of the beach when he was attacked. A white man got angry and started throwing rocks at the boy. A large rock struck him in the head, knocking him unconscious. Eugene's body slid off the raft and into the water, and no one made it to him in time. He drowned. There were hundreds of bystanders who witnessed the event, and by the time the man had made it back to shore, there was a crowd gathered and awaiting an arrest. However, police failed to pursue the man who threw the rock. Shocker. The large group started protesting. And seeing the large number of black people upset apparently angered many whites who were standing by, so they jumped in their vehicles and drove through the black areas of town, carelessly shooting out the windows of black-owned homes. 
A white mob started marching in the streets, burning and vandalizing both homes and businesses. It seemed like an extension to the bombings that had targeted black Chicagoans. The nightmare had began again. Chicago PD was damn near useless. So once again, black veterans in the area took up arms, fighting back against the hatred and defending their homes, even breaking into an armory to help defenseless families fight off their attackers. This group inspired other black militias to form and take up arms, acting and defending those the police seemed to ignore. By the end of it, 23 black people were dead, along with 15 white and over 500 people were injured. Over 1,000 black families were left homeless due to the burning of houses. And as awful as these events were, the worst of these riots occurred in Elaine, Arkansas. When the white minority there, angry at the over 200 black sharecroppers who were organizing for better working conditions, began to disrupt meetings. At one of these rallies, two white men were shot, one fatally during a confrontation. And as the news spread, a mob formed and moved in on the unsuspecting black residents of Elaine. Over the next two days, they attacked at random, killing an estimated 100 to 230 people, including men, women, and children. Five whites were also killed in the violence. The governor of Arkansas ignorantly claimed that the group that had formed the Progressive Farmers and the Household Union of America was formed for the banning together of Negroes to kill white people, according to him. The massacre led to the largest amount of court prosecutions at the time. 79 black men were tried and all were convicted and sentenced, with 12 of them receiving the death penalty and the sentencing for the rest ranged anywhere from 21 years to life. This was not unusual since the state didn't allow for black people to vote, run for office, or serve on a jury. So the juries were always made up of white citizens. The horror and bloodshed spread like wildfire throughout the country to places like South Carolina, Nebraska, Florida, Ohio, and more. Black veterans continued to be the preferred target. And of the over 97 recorded lynchings from the year, at least 13 of them were American veterans. Many of them were left still in their uniforms as a warning to others. White veterans saw the uniform as a threat to America's racial caste system. Many black citizens believed that their service was the path to equality. And when in Europe, they were often treated as equals. But then upon their return to their own country, they were expected to just fall back into line with the racist system that was put in place. Recent history has made many feel as if the red summer of 1919 is still going. Equality is still being fought for. The systems still need reconstructing. I want to reiterate, it is important to remember that though we tell these stories, the black American experience is not defined solely by violence. These stories have for years been hidden, altered, and erased from public view. So it's important now to tell them when we can. I encourage all to visit the sources in the description to read the full length and in-depth stories that inspired this episode. And to end this segment of the show, I'd like to share with you a poem by Langston Hughes. It is entitled, Beaumont to Detroit, 1943. Looky here, America, what you done done. Let things drift until the riots come. Now your policemen let your mobs run free. I reckon you don't care nothing about me. You tell me that Hitler is a mighty bad man I guess he took lessons from the Ku Klux Klan. You tell me Mussolini's got an evil heart. Well, it must have been in Beaumont 
that he had his start. Because everything that Hitler and Mussolini do, Negroes get the same treatment from you. You Jim Crowed me before Hitler rose to power, and you're still Jim Crowing me right now, this very hour. Yet you say we're fighting for democracy. Then why don't democracy include me? I ask you this question because I want to know how long I got to fight both Hitler and Jim Crow. Again, that's Langston Hughes, Beaumont to Detroit, 1943. All right, Sandu fam, that's another history lesson come to a close. I hope you enjoyed the retelling, or, or at least my retelling, uh, of the Red Summer of 1919. It's a tough history lesson to learn, um, for sure. I doubt it was covered in many of your U.S. history classes um, throughout your years in school or college, but here it is nonetheless. Stories like this, like I said in the in the telling of it, they need to be told. They do not need to be to be held back because if these stories are not out there, this history is not learned, then we cannot heal. We cannot be on a level playing field. And I, and I by no means want to encapsulate the entire African-American experience uh, in violence, in, in hatred, in downtroddenness, because that is not what African-American culture is about. Hopefully we can move past this and this will just be a footnote in what African-American culture um, offers to America as a whole. And again, like I say, I try to be as reverent and as careful with these stories as I possibly can. I don't mean to anger or upset anyone. I just try to tell these stories as factual as I, can po as I possibly can. All right. There's not much really to give your opinion on here. Um, it is what it is. And obviously, I felt that this was an important story or I wouldn't have covered it in the first place. Right. All right, guys. Well, with that, I'll pass it over to Lauren for this week's Lauren Synopsis. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren Synopsis. Breaking down the case like, breaking down the case like cardboard boxes. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren Synopsis. Breaking down the case like, breaking down the case like cardboard boxes. What's up, people? Lauren here. Here to get my thoughts on this week's Strange and Unexplained. The Red Summer of 1919. A very dark part of the history of the United States. It's really appalling. It's tough to read. It's tough to imagine putting yourselves in the, the shoes of these black Americans that went across the ocean, went overseas to Europe and fought in World War I, one of the bloodiest and most gruesome wars in history, the birth of the machine gun, trench warfare, just 
horrendous war to be in and to fight for, you know, the country you live in and democracy and to come back to America after that, having seen what they saw and somehow made it out of there to come back and then have to continue to fight in your own communities against fellow Americans, just because of the color of your skin. You had white people coming into their communities in Chicago and Philadelphia, DC and burning buildings, lynching people because of the color of their skin. It's, it's incredible. The, the nature of human beings never ceases to amaze me when I look at history. It's, it's crazy. And also uplifting to think how far we've come though at the same time. But you go back to the very beginning of human history and humans have been enslaving each other, brutalizing each other, any chance they get to get more power, more control, whatever it is. Um, but it was really cool to see that uh, these men came back and, and took up arms and fought for their families, fought for their communities. Obviously, a lot of them paid a terrible price for it, but our country as a whole was much better off because of them fighting back, fighting for rights, as we've seen time and time again. I think the most surprising part of this story to me is there were white soldiers that fought over there with black soldiers in World War I and came back and still did this. One thing I love so much about sports is the camaraderie you get with your teammates. And it doesn't matter what color they are, what where they came from, their background, their political beliefs, none of that shit uh, matters when, when you're all working together. And I, that, from what I've heard, obviously I've never been to war, but like I, everything I've heard is that bond you get with your fellow soldier on the battlefield is beyond anything, like beyond sports times a thousand. And to think that they came back and, and still did that, like having fought together over there, whether they were in the same battalion or not or whatever, but both being over there fighting at the same time um, for the common good of the of the world and also for America and, and to come back and, and still do that. just It just goes to show that so much of what we are is nurture, not nature. So much of it is what we're taught, our surroundings, uh, and, and you can get this group think. You know, it was just because... These communities, this is, they were born to be, to hate black people. They were born to hate people that didn't look like them. They were raised that way from the time they were babies until, you know, that you, you see pictures of the red summer of 1919 and there's kids, white kids smiling and posing in front of a, a building, an apartment building that they just burned that was, you know, occupied by, by black Americans. It's appalling. And it's, it just, really sad to think that that's how simply programmed we can be as a species. And I don't have much more to say about it. I'm just glad that we've evolved past that. Um, and we continue to evolve to this day and, and, and get better and accept everyone regardless of, you know, where they came from, what they look like. And, uh, yeah, that's, not, not a pretty time in our history, but uh, thankfully we moved past that and we continue to, to get better as a nation and as a world population. But that's my thoughts. Hope you guys enjoyed it. See you next week. All right, Lauren, thank you so much for that synopsis as always. Um, very well put, very delicately put. Um, sports was a great analogy. It's something I think that a lot of us, um, a lot more of us, rather, modern-day Americans um, can kind of put into perspective. 
if you played any type of team sports in the past, it's true. It's like when you go, maybe at practice or something, there's a little bit of confrontation between teammates and whatnot. But when you go to that game, it's us versus them. And um, yeah, everybody on your team, it doesn't matter where they came from. It doesn't matter where they're, you know, what they're about, what they look like. We're all, we're all family, right? And you would think, like Lauren said, in a, in a wartime, in any type of war effort, that bond would be thousands of times stronger. Um, but it's like you say, it's appalling. And then once humans are thrown back into that old atmosphere, that old habitat, uh, that old frame of mind, right? You're thrown back in um, into the same town, into the laws and the, and the restrictions uh, that your local society has put upon you. And they just fall right into this hate. They forget their their brothers. They forget their brothers and sisters of war. And it's heartbreaking. It's downright heartbreaking. And, you know, as Lauren alluded to, yeah, I think we are doing some healing. But I still think we got we still got a ways to go. No doubt. We still have a ways to go. Um, but, yes, yeah, I hope you enjoyed that retelling of the Red Summer of 1919. And hopefully it was an eye-opener for some of you. Um Like I said before, I love to do these history lessons, these obscure, um, harder-to-hear history lessons. I I love to cover these to the best of my ability, and we'll continue to do so here on Strange and Unexplained, as well as mixing in true crime and missing persons as well. All right? All right, guys, I won't hold you too long. Of course, everything True Crime Guys Productions you can find right below the description of this episode. True Crime Guys link tree is right below, or you can check out truecrimeguys.com. Um, speaking of truecrimeguys.com, if you pull it up on a desktop site, on the right side, there is a column labeled Pages, and you can click Patch of the Month. Um, on Patch of the Month, we have... The Let's Go Do Cult Shit True Crime Guys limited run patches are available right now for $15. Um, If you guys want to get your hands on them, like I say, truecrimeguys.com, or you click the link below the True Crime Guys link tree and click TCG Podbean. Okay, that will take you to the exact same place. It's all the same place. Truecrimeguys.com just reroutes to our Podbean page where we have uh, links where you can donate uh, to the podcast, if you like, donate for stickers or whatnot, and also buy one of these limited run patches, as well as listen to all of our episodes, obviously. All right, again, that's truecrimeguys.com. And if you really love the show and you really like to support the show, a great way to do it is leave a review. Uh, you could leave a review on iTunes, uh, Stitcher. Um, you can rate now on Spotify if you are a new Spotify user, or maybe you just haven't noticed. Um, Spotify has actually enabled you um, the ability to rate your favorite podcast now. You can't leave a a written review, which kind of sucks. I would like to have some written reviews on there as well. But the ability to leave a a one to five star rating is still pretty cool. Um, So if you have the time, please do that. Also, check out True Crime Guys on YouTube. Uh, Look at the True Crime Guys official YouTube channel. We haven't been on YouTube very long, guys. Um, I'd say for the last year or so, I guess we were uploading audio only. And as of the last couple months, we started putting up all of the TCG proper free episodes in video form on our YouTube channel as well. So if you'd like to put faces to the, to the voices, uh, you can do that there. Also, um, Kristen, my lovely wife, who is also a writer for Strange and Unexplained, 
Um, she helps edit our YouTube videos and she puts in pictures of things that we're talking about, uh, links and all, all sorts of things. It just makes the experience a little more, a little more immersive, if you will. And eventually, uh, these free episodes of Strange and Unexplained will also be in video form as well. So bear with us. That is in the works. Um, cannot wait for that to have the pictures and the the quotes and everything put up on the screen. It's it's just going to take the show to a whole new area. So again, try go on YouTube, be subscribed so you will know when new videos drop and uh, when Strange and Unexplained finally goes video form. Okay, um, I think that's pretty much it, guys. Patreon.com/slash True Crime Guys can get you access to everything we create everything we do just the banter in video form and then uh me and andy if you guys have listened to strange shorts which i release every four weeks here on the free platform those will now be in video form on the youtube channel as well all of the free ones okay so that's uh again that's on the youtube channel strange shorts 78 i believe was the very first strange shorts video and that is on our youtube channel right now so if you'd like to put uh faces to to me and andy as well and see how we do strange shorts please go check that out all right guys again links to everything right below the description as well as sources and uh pictures and video and further description of everything that we talked about today all right all right guys well we'll see you next week for a new strange and unexplained case all right until then be strange just don't be strangers You hush your mouth, boy.